Hello and welcome to the Lawfield Podcast, episode 6, working on title again. I'm your co-host, Ezra, and I'm with my other co-host, Mitch. Hello. So today we are talking about the new concept art, because after last episode, two new videos dropped with a new concept, and an actual episode one of the Into the Starfield, I believe, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a lot to talk about, but let's just get into it. Yeah, we got some good news to talk about this month. Um, I was a little confused because it was referred to as Into the Starfield Episode 1, but I thought we already had like three of those. But I guess those were just like introductory, like pre-episodes or something. So they don't count. But now we have the actual Episode 1, and uh, we'll get to it uh, a little later on. Um, But before that, uh, we had some other news that happened on November 11th, and it was a Skyrim anniversary concert. November 11th was a big day for Bethesda because not only was it Skyrim's 10th anniversary, it also marks one year until Starfield comes out. So um, we're now within a year of Starfield's release, so that's a big deal. Really excited. And to celebrate that, they ended the Skyrim concert with a performance of what they called the Starfield Suite. Enon Zur put together this little compilation of a variety of Starfield tracks, and the London Symphony Orchestra, legendary orchestra, played it. And um, I loved it. Ezra, what did you think? I liked it. It was uh, it was long, but I think the track itself, it's, it's getting me a little bit more excited, you know, like um, each new video does. So yeah, it's, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was cool. I liked that it had a lot of um, diversity in it from kind of these inspiring like exploration tracks. There was a little bit of combat music in there, I believe. And then it culminated with the the main theme that we've heard before. Um, but this time we heard it in full with no narration or sound effects over it. Um, so that was amazing. Uh, the other thing I really liked about it was that it had familiarity to past BGS projects. And then it also had new elements. So one thing that I saw a lot of people picking up on was that the horn sounds a lot like Fallout games. Uh, the soundtrack's done in that, which makes sense. It's the same composer, Enon Zur. And then also, I noticed um, there's a part um, about a third of the way in, I think, that uses a lot of harp sounds. And um, it sounds like Oblivion. And I know that wasn't Enon Zur. That was Jeremy Soule. But um, it was still... It was really nostalgic and a big theme in Starfield is them, at least what I've picked up on is that it's kind of a return to BGS's like tip top form and um, hearing the harp and thinking of Oblivion, it just kind of drove that home a little more. And then the new stuff too, kind of ushering in a new era of Bethesda. The strings and some of the melodies clearly inspired by legendary sci-fi scores like Star Wars and Star Trek 2001 also. So yeah, this was just, Enon Zer did an amazing job. He did a great job selecting which tracks to show. Um, we don't know what the other tracks are, but these sounded good. So yeah, I was, I was absolutely floored for the entire 10 minutes and change that lasted. And as if uh, almost 11 minutes of pure Starfield music wasn't enough, while all that's going on, we got three new concept arts. So uh, <laughs> I guess we'll break these down. First of all, if you had to pick, Ezra, 
uh which one of these three would be your favorite i think i like the ship one in, in particular because it's like the frontier ship from the e3 trailer but the thrusters are completely different so that it gets me a little bit more excited we uh we can uh up- upgrade the ship and change like the thrusters and different compartments and stuff so that's probably my favorite but i also like the look of uh i think it's neon i believe so yeah yeah i wanna i like that one but yeah the, the ship one's definitely my favorite i think we'll um i guess we'll cover the neon one first um presumably neon don't think it was explicitly confirmed but um it looks very much like neon there's a lot of neon lights so there's a reason to believe it's neon it also looks like night city from cyberpunk like exactly like it i was really struck by that and this almost certainly was a concept art that was made and neon was in development long before cyberpunk came out so there's not any like copycat stuff going on even though i'm sure that narrative's going to pop up but i i love it it's so dense it's so it looks very corporatized and one of the things i was thinking about with this concept art is that you see all these advertisements and stuff other games like cyberpunk the outer worlds have a very heavy corporate culture um corporations have a lot of control a lot of power so i was wondering how much of a role they'll have in starfield um if they uh they have a big presence in neon but will they have a lot of power and control or will they just be advertising everywhere will they be able to like tap in your phone will they be able to kill people and get away with it um and then outside the cities will the you know, little tiny outposts and settlements, will they have a strong corporate presence like you see in the outer worlds? Um, these are some big questions that are going to shape really the whole look and feel of Starfield and um, something that I'm sure they're putting a lot of thought into. And uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. We did see a couple of new corporations, uh, their names in the concept arts we'll talk about later. So uh, yeah corporate culture in starfield what do you think i can i can definitely see that it it definitely does give a nice city vibe you've got like all the advertisements so it, it's definitely given that that vibe i think they're advertisements they look like advertisements yeah most of them i think are advertisements there are a couple um on the right side there's one that says stairs and then below that big yellow wall thing near the bottom is a train station i think it says arrivals arrivals i said that word weird so there's another thing that we can kind of speculate on could neon have a little transportation system can you hop on the train and take it to another part of the city will the city even be big enough for that i think it'd be interesting because like in a post cyberpunk 2077 gaming industry and like I I think Cyberpunk does have a train network, but you just can't use it. So I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping if the city's like big enough that you can just use transport to get around. Or you know if you really want to walk around for two hours, you can do it. Of course. I hope the train is there too. And trains are kind of a touchy subject ever since Cyberpunk dropped because that was literally the first thing we saw from Cyberpunk 
um, like eight years ago in its first trailer, and then it didn't make the final game. Please give us trains. I mean, okay, so I would really like a train, but if they're going to do a train, I want it to make sense. Like, I don't want Neon to be like a little bit bigger than, you know, cities they've done in the past and then have a train that takes you a distance that takes, you know, 20, 30 seconds to walk. Um, I only want the train if the city's going to be like pretty big and it actually makes sense for me to take the train. Yeah. I think if you can just walk the city in 30 seconds, yeah, it's, there's no point. Unless you want an achievement, I suppose they could like throw in an achievement used to train 25 times in Neon. That'd be fun. I can't wait to achievement hunt. And then the DLC comes out and then your score goes down because you have to get all the DLC achievements. That's what happened uh, with me before that for. Got all the oh, achievements, no. did all the content. And then the DLC came out, and I had already installed mods, so I was done. So <laughs> uh, right now in my Series X, I'm uh, playing FPS Boost to um, try and get all the Nuka World achievements, which is all that's missing. How silky is the FPS Boost? It's very nice. I, I did try, because it's, it's only 1080p, 60, but I did, I did try just normal 4k 30 and i couldn't the 4k 30 was just i don't know i it, it fallout 4 feels better at 60 than 30 because 30 i could tell it was it didn't it didn't feel smooth for like the gunplay enough mm. so but um yeah i'm trying to 100 percent because i just got all the skyrim special edition achievements before i uh mod it course nice is that possible with one character by the way yes um absolutely um if you want the vampire and the werewolf what you can either do is what i did because i like playing as a vampire i did the werewolf stuff and then became a vampire so i got the werewolf achievement for 11 perks and then i did the vampire one which was the last achievement okay I got an achievement on World War. I, I think I have like less than half of them for both Skyrim and Fallout 4. It's got to change. It's a good. Um, Xbox doesn't have platinum. Like for 100%, you get a platinum achievement. We don't have that. But uh, you get a pat on the back from Xbox uh, in your achievement list saying, nice work, you got them all. That's cute. I'm looking forward to it. Because uh, you know the achievement tracker thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, instead of any achievements or tracking, I'll say, nice job, or nice work. Speaking of achievements, Todd talked about in the later video that we'll get to later, how much of an achievement it is for humanity to bring a ship up off the ground and fly into space. And that's exactly what the second concept art shows. It's a new ship flying off the surface of a planet, the thrusters kind of pushing down, lifting the ship up. You said it was your favorite. What do you like so much about it? I mean, I'm not like challenging you because I really like it too. Just your thoughts. I think it's, there's not a lot of thrust to it. I think there might be like four main thrusters, but they're different designed. It's kind of hard to see them. And then you've got like mini thrusters at the front to like balance it out. I kind of like that. I like really like that kind of detail. It is interesting because these thrusters are like, whitish bluish 
And then if I remember correctly, um, the Frontier was a much more orange, fiery thrust color. I don't think I'm making that up, right? Am I, is my memory wrong? Or I might have to look up the trailer. Yeah, I think it's just kind of fiery. This looks more like a blowtorch where you like turn the glass. I, I don't know what you call it. You know, you, you, you change, you, um, you turn it up and then the flame goes blue. That kind of, that's all it kind of reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good analogy about the, how it looks like a blowtorch. Um, and I looked it up and it was more of an orange fiery look to the frontier in the E3 trailer. So I don't know if that means these are different fuels or different engine systems, but it kind of speaks to how much thought is going into like, okay, not every ship is going to act exactly the same way. Much in the same way in the real world, we have like eight cylinder cars or four cylinder cars or electric cars, all that stuff. Um, it seems we're going to get a realistic amount of variance in the way ships work here. And maybe that's tied into a customization system. Maybe it's not. But just to know that that variety is there is really cool. And then also the planet that the ship is taking off from, it doesn't look quite like anything we've seen before. I thought it's hard to see because of the the fog and, and the smoke and stuff. I thought maybe it could be that planet we saw that has the um, crystals in the rock, uh, maybe. I don't know, or it could be entirely new. So that's the uh, ship concept art. And then uh, the last one is my personal favorite. Um, this one is in New Atlantis. It's a new shot we've seen, um, new angle, that shows what's on the other side of that big wall that we saw before. And uh, you can see several skyscrapers, a planet that's pretty close, um, to planet uh, Jemison, I believe, which is where New Atlantis is. Um, and then this huge structure right in the middle of the city that I kind of am speculating is the headquarters for MAST. The let's see if I can remember the acronym. I think I can. Military Administrative and Scientific Triumvirate is MAST, and that's a important division of some sort within the United Colonies. Um, I'm guessing that that's what that building is. Um, yeah, in, in the last episode, Israel, you said that New Atlantis looks like paradise. And I think that is super spot on, especially seeing this one now. Um, because Alpha Centauri has three stars. All three of them are visible in this concept art. One of the stars is kind of behind the planet. There's a real small one next to it, which is Proxima Centauri. And then another star is in the top right corner. And what that creates is a lot of luminance and vibrance on the planet. You can see the skyscrapers reflecting light from the stars just because it's super bright. And I think what's happening here is that you're seeing some alignment between the visual moods created by the three stars and the social dynamics in New Atlantis. Um, Emil said in way back in the New Atlantis video that the city's a melting pot and it's a, a reflection of our future. 
And we had discussed whether there's a positive or negative connotation there. And after seeing more of New Atlantis and seeing how, how bright it is, how, as you say, it looks like paradise, I think that's very much a positive comment. I know. So, I, I stand by that uh, description. Yeah, it was really good. And um, this additional look is just, it says a lot, I think, this art. Yeah, it does, definitely. And we can contrast that with uh, Neon, which is a lot darker, a lot gloomier, and is also less affluent, um, more so at the ground level. So the art we talked about earlier that has all the neon signs, that looks not quite as like dreary and stuff, but there was that street level one of the market, and those people seem to not be doing well like i didn't get the sense that a lot of them are like real rich and happy and stuff and speaking of the cities i have a question for you which of the three cities new atlantis neon or aquila city would you rather live in probably new atlantis just because it might be very warm and i don't like the cold but i live in england so it's kind of cold here most of the time anyway <laughs> I, but i prefer I'd imagine New Atlantis would be quite warm with three stars, as well as bright, of course. So I'd uh, I'd say New Atlantis for me. Okay, that's a good point. Um, I didn't even consider the temperature aspect. Yeah, there are a lot of trees and stuff and water, so it's probably like like a warm summer, like a temperate summer. I could see that. That's cool. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten a close look at the citizens to see what they're wearing because that would provide a lot of information about the climate but um, I'm sure we'll find out more in the coming months so that was pretty much everything that came out of the um, Starfield concert uh, if you didn't watch it I highly recommend you do most of the people listening are probably huge Bethesda fans and they went into the stories of people who uh, were close to Skyrim and were impacted by it it was it was a pretty moving experience. Um, so uh, even if it's just to see the Starfield ending, uh, I definitely recommend everybody watch that. But after that concert, a couple weeks go by, and we I think we're going to record the podcast, and it ended up being delayed because of like scheduling and stuff. It's a very busy time for me, final exams and stuff, but. Because of that delay, we ended up breaking our streak of having Starfield news the day after we record every podcast. Well, we think so. It could be something that drops tomorrow. But we can actually cover like pretty recent stuff now. Um, this was just five days ago. Uh, a new Into the Starfield video dropped. It was seven minutes long. It was um, Todd Howard and two developers whose names are escaping me at the moment. But they were discussing mostly the philosophy of making Starfield um, and just kind of reflecting on their creative process. Um, but this is a lore show, so we won't go too deep into the um, commentary over it, but highly recommend watching that as well. But while they were talking, once again, we got new concept arts. We ended up getting 13 additional new ones. We're going to go into all of them. Um, some of them 
don't warrant much discussion, others do. But we'll just go through them in the order they appeared in the video. So uh, do you want to start us off with this uh, first one here? Uh, yeah. So the first one is um, it's like a lab outpost kind of thing. There's no people in it. But you've got like lockers, you've got like uh, netting at the top, lots of uh, wires and cables it looks like, a desk, and a window. Among some other stuff, of course, like there's a uh, ventilation. I think that's ventilation, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, like uh, coming out the vents at the top. If you're watching on YouTube, we should have some visuals. Uh, again, like uh, last episode. So, of course, again, if you're not driving and you're at home uh, on the YouTube version, we, we should have the images on screen, what we're talking about. But yeah, I, I like this, um, like, lab outpost kind of thing. What do you think? Yeah, I like it too. Um, one thing I noticed is that whoever works in here or lives in here keeps a very clean workspace. There's not a lot of like clutter. So good for them. <laughs> Should try to uh, take some notes. Uh, if you look at the top right corner, there's a little white panel thing. I It's connected to some vents. I don't know what it's for exactly, but we can see the manufacturer on it, and it's a company called uh, Xiang, X-I-A-N-G. So that's another new corporation, company, manufacturer of some kind. Um, we're starting to learn that there's a lot of them. So as I said earlier, the corporate culture in Starfield seems to be increasingly present. I've, uh, I just had a thought. That, like, it it looks, you know, like, um, looks like there's smoke coming out the vents. Like, maybe they're oxygen vents, because maybe the planet doesn't have oxygen. It's, like, supplying oxygen into the base, which is possible, right? I'd say. For sure, yeah. That'd be cool. So, yeah, like, uh, you have oxygen generators and stuff like that. That, that, that would be cool. Like, and you can, um... Depending the strength for how many you have, maybe that affects how much oxygen you've got in your base. So, um, you know, like lower oxygen, you might get debuffs. I don't know. Um, it, it, there could be many things they could do. You know how in No Man's Sky, your like, life support system will be draining, and then you get in the cockpit of your ship and it refills pretty quickly? Yeah. I wonder if something similar could happen here with your oxygen levels. So you're out exploring and they deplete and then you have to get back to your outpost, the door seals behind you and the meter starts refilling. I've I've just had another thought. If they're going realism, wouldn't you need an airlock when you enter a base? Probably, yeah. Because in No Man's Sky you just walk in your base, but they're going for that realism. You'd need to build like a, an airlock so it can like, so you don't let you know, you don't open your base door and all the oxygen um, contaminate. Uh, I don't know what the uh, phrasing is, but like contaminate or let the oxygen out. I don't know um, how that works, but but something along those lines. And you have to go through an airlock bef and decompress before you can go inside your base, kind of thing. I think that yeah, be where, cool. yeah, where there's like two sets of doors, right? Yeah. So yeah. you go in and 
it's, it's a weird analogy, but you know, like uh, in SpongeBob, how they get into Sandy's, and they have like the room where it like uh, drains the water. That's that's the best description I have for this. Just like an airlock kind of thing. That'd be cool for like immersion kind of stuff. I will never not be delighted at a SpongeBob reference. But yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And um, on a planet with no oxygen, I'm not sure what else they could do. I think, I think we should definitely be seeing those. And some of the later arts lend a lot of credence to that because um, they're, I think, they're airlocks. So the second one um, is a new ship, uh, which is really cool looking ship. It has solar panels in the back and these coil-like things at the front that seem to be involved just from the look of them in power generation of some kind or power storage. This one looked a little bit, I'm so annoying. I bring up the Star Wars references every single show. This one looks like the Tantive Four from Star Wars, which is the very first ship you see in New Hope being chased by the Star Destroyer. Uh, seems kind of similar in size and roughly similar in shape, just with a lot of additional things attached to it. Yeah, I know you liked the uh, the earlier ship concept art, and here we have yet another type of ship. Yeah, what do you think about this one? I don't know why. Kind of reminds me of like a satellite. I want to say something because if you look, there's thrusters that are pointing towards the front. Usually, they'd be pointing the opposite direction, right? Yeah, they should. They should be. Yeah. I mean, there's a big one at the back, and then like funky looking, like solar panels, like the uh, the red things on the side. Yeah. Wonder if those could be solar sails. Oh, that's that's uh, that could be a possibility. It's also got yep. like, two. It's got two tanks on the side. You know, like uh, containment tanks kind of thing. So. I'm just gonna wild wild card guess. Um, like maybe that's helium free reserves. Could be. You know, like on the sides, you've got like underneath the uh, side thrusters. Yeah, like those um gold capped canister things. Yeah, yeah, those. I love in on the top of the ship, about halfway back. There's a little tower that pokes up. It looks like um the submarine things that that let the people see above the water mm. i don't think it serves the same purpose but it's a cool little feature i guess yeah that that observation you make about the tanks calls back to the same discussion again about the variety of power sources and the way the ships run is it solar is it some other electrical thing like we see at the front is it helium 3 or is it a combination of all of them? Is it a hybrid? Well, it's got those things at the front. They look like, to me, they look like Tesla coils. They do. I'm looking at pictures of Tesla coils now, and I know they make like little lightning things. Do they serve like a functional purpose besides looking cool? I'm not entirely sure, but I know, no, it's, it's a film, but I don't know if, they actually have this function. 
uh, in the film The Sorcerer's Apprentice, like the the guy in that film, he uh, he makes music with them. I, I don't know if that is an actual function of them, but I thought that was pretty cool to bring up. That is cool. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet that those are electrically related somehow. Or maybe they're fusion reactors? Maybe? Because they're in circles, so maybe like one of those circular thing. uh, I don't think it's fusion. I'm not not entirely sure. um, But it may be it's some sort of like circular fusion generator, like a arc reactor kind of thing. And that's, that's a Marvel reference, of course, but you know, like this circular kind of design type thing. Yeah. That very much could be. And with all these different possibilities for power generation, it doesn't necessarily have to all be for um, thrusting the ship. It could also be, you know, the lights and the controls on the inside. Mm. So maybe, you know, helium-3, those big tanks, power the actual movement of the ship, and then there's a fusion reactor at the front for all the systems on board. Have you noticed that I don't think any of the ships we've seen have easily visible weapons? Visually, no, they don't. Makes me wonder if we see Crimson Fleet ships, if they have, like, broadside cannons... Now that's that's like a pirate stereotype, but I think that'd be perfectly fitting for a faction called the Crimson Fleet with a Jolly Roger kind of logo. Absolutely, that'd be awesome. That'd be terrifying to fight against. It's like you know, they're starting to like come towards you, and then they get alongside. You know, your ship is just about to get wrecked by a bunch of broadside cannons. Yeah, you look out your window and you see through a let their window, and they've got like a plank board. And they're like waving it in the air. They're going to board you. <laughs> Getting the helmets on. Space helmet. <laughs> yeah. They go in the airlock. They're uh, they're ready. They start boarding and Vasco's freaking out in the, in the cargo bay. <laughs> Be like a C-3PO moment where he's like panicking. With this distinct lack of weapons on most of the ships, I was like, wow, that's so weird. But if you think about it, think about planes in the real world. Like 90, probably 99% of planes at least don't have any like mounted weapons on them. They all, they all serve other purposes like cargo, transportation, whatever. It's just like the very specially designed planes for like specifically for militaries that have weapons mounted on them. And I think we've kind of been like, conditioned by existing sci-fi that like weapons are just going to be you know a standard feature on a ship maybe not necessarily yeah well it like stemming back to what todd said in 2019 it's like flight in the 40s and i think it wasn't till the end of world war one that planes like started to enter in warfare and then you're going a bit further than that of course so Maybe only certain ships have weapons, and it depends um, what the function of that ship is. So maybe our ship is for cargo, 
because we see a cargo hold, maybe our ship's for hauling stuff, and that could be quests, like, you know, Vasco loads up the cargo bay, because he can lift more than us, potentially. But maybe the Crimson Fleet have the more, they have, like, uh, attached, like, laser cannons or something, you know, some sort of weapon, so they can um, attack ships and stuff. And then maybe you've got more, like, military ships that have uh, guns and tourists and stuff, potentially. It is starting to seem more and more likely that that'll be the case. Because, I mean, I keep looking at all these ships looking for turrets or weapons and just not seeing any. So um, these probably are like cargo ships or serve some other purpose than combat. The lighting in this concept art, the lighting as it kind of cascades across the ship, it's very real looking. So there's been some discussion on how many of these are concept arts and how many are in-engine renders and screenshots of things that are for all intents and purposes like in the game and i think this would be one of the ones if i had to guess that's probably in game to some extent so the next one is another ship this time on a planet surface the planet itself is um very boring <laughs> at least this part of it it's completely flat with just a little bit of geologic activity going on um, but the biggest focus here is the ship and the person standing outside of it and uh, if you zoom in on the person it doesn't seem like they're wearing any clothes I think this person is naked did you notice that yeah yeah I could see that there's no spacesuit runs you mentioned on the last show they're coming back they're actually happening that that is gonna be like if that becomes an actual category, that'd be my crowning achievement. Ne ne next to Lawfield and stuff. That that would be my crowning achievement. No space it runs. The ship, which seems to be for cargo, would be my guess, because there's a lot of space in the back, a lot of volume to it. It is called Stellaris. It's not two L's like the game, it's just one L in Stellaris. That's written on the side. This, again, no visible weapons. Probably a cargo ship. Not too much more to this art that I saw. Did you see anything else? Uh, no. The uh, next two concept arts that were shown are kind of together. Do you want to introduce these? Uh, yeah. So the, the next one, it's some kind of... It's the mechanism of the door in the ship i think oh they've actually um side note but they've they've called it airlock so airlocks more or less you know confirmed but some kind of like advanced door mechanism that's potentially to pressurize the uh the room itself it's a, it's a very complicated door but i'd imagine it has to be to what well, pressurize i i think that's the word did you see at the uh, top left, there's a close-up of a material of some kind, and it's like a woven material? I was wondering if that's the airlock itself. So, like, the uh, the texture on it? Yeah. Yeah, I can, yeah I, can, I can see that. The one strange thing about it is that I'm not familiar with too many woven materials that are airtight. Wouldn't they need something... 
I, I'm, I'm not an expert or anything, but wouldn't they need something that could expand to, like, completely seal off one section for a potential de... I want to say decontamination, more like decompression. Like, just to make sure the door is fully sealed, like, something that expands, potentially. Mm. That's a good theory. Yeah. And the, the second one that shows the actual 3D model of this airlock has a little TV screen above the airlock. And um, people found out who that was. There's a person on the TV screen. And people found out who that was pretty quickly. It's a Canadian official, and the picture was taken during a press briefing about COVID. So that's probably just a placeholder, and I don't think that person will be in Starfield. But there could be, you know, little news bulletins or something while you're waiting for the cabin to pressurize or something like that. Uh, just side note, we're talking about the first image, right? I I moved on to the second one. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're kind of like they show the same thing basically. I think. I guess this is kind of speculation. I thought the first one was like sketches and concepts. And then the second one was the final product of those concepts. Mm, yeah. Oh, actually, they've on this image, um, they've got two red, like, um, down arrows. So maybe that's the door p- preparing, maybe? Because oh, I, yeah. I, I can't imagine that, like, the decompre- decompression kind of thing would take a short amount of time. I'd imagine it takes a little bit to get going. Like, uh, so maybe you have to wait before you can enter your base because you've got to wait for it to switch cycles before you can get in and, you know, take your suit off. In the real world with modern technology, I believe it takes several minutes to like fully pressurize or depressurize a full room, mainly pressurize, depressurizing. You can do it a little quicker if there's no people in there. But um, I would assume that. You know, Todd has said they're going to gamify some things. So I think we'll probably just be waiting in the airlock for a couple of seconds, would be my guess. Yeah. Can't keep the player waiting too long, but make it feel a little bit more real. Yeah. And that's easily explainable by technological advancements. Yeah. It's, um, and also, uh, game time is not one to one, like 20 minutes is a day, I, I think, in Bethesda games. Not quite sure. That's a very good point. So that that could be another explanation. So for you, it's five seconds. For the game, it's five minutes. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I might be mixing up Minecraft times. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at how long Vesta days take in their um, titles. So. It sounds like the right ballpark. Is that an expression in the UK? Ballpark? Yeah, I've I've heard it a few times. Okay, it's just curious. And then lastly, did you notice uh, at the bottom of the airlock, uh, well, right below it, there's these orange symbols. I was wondering what they could mean. Uh, my first guess was that they are the status of the airlock, as far as like pressurization, like equalized on both sides of the door. It's like you know depressurized on the other side, stuff like that. Possibly. 
those two red down arrows, they kind of match one of the symbols, sort of. The one that's uh, like a down arrow and an up arrow? Or another one? Uh, You know, like the middle one. That's kind of like... Oh, yeah. It's, it's really hard to see the red lines up close, but I'll do my mm -hmm. best to zoom in on the uh, footage. Yeah, that is literally just this. The one on the display rotated. I thought <laughs> the one I picked was like one of the arrows was flipped. <laughs> I guess that one's similar too. But yeah, no idea what those mean. Now I've got a space question, and it's always bothered me, but I've never I've been too embarrassed to ever Google it. In space. Why does space equipment have tinfoil? And I I know it's it's not actually tinfoil. It looks like tinfoil. You can kind of see it on this door. I don't know if you know what I'm on about, but I've always wondered what exactly that is and why they do use it. I'm not one hundred percent on this, but I think I remember hearing that it is to protect whatever the foil stuff is on from solar radiation. Okay. Kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah. It does look very goofy, though. It's like someone's gone in the kitchen and just got some tinfoil because it's cheap. <laughs> I guess we can uh, go on to the next one. So this one is the interior of a room, and we're finally getting a look at that Bethesda clutter we know and love. Uh, there's stuff on the walls, on some stuff on the floor. Looks very lived in. There's a, a little poster on the wall that says, Visit Neon. So that's kind of cute. One thing that I noticed is that the walls and the construction of the ceiling and stuff, this screams Aquila City to me. I don't know if you agree, but... I agree. It gives Aquila vibes. Yeah, I, I think... I think we could even say this is almost confirmation of, of some room in Aquila City. One interesting thing of note is that this looks pretty low class. And given that Aquila City is the capital of the Freestar Collective, contrasting that with the utopia of the United Colonies capital city, I wonder how good the Freestar Collective is at governing and keeping its the well-being of its people prioritized um, because this I wouldn't want to stay here for too long there's a sink and a bucket next to the bed but no toilet they haven't even invented plumbing in this planet actually it kind of reminds me of that one dungeon in Skyrim but there's probably a few that I can't remember but there's one and there's a bunch of uh, buckets and it's obviously implied what it's for so I'm I'm wondering if this would serve the same function, maybe? There's no bathroom, obviously, so... Uh, besides the sink, of course. But, you know, you don't, you don't go to the toilet in the sink. If presented the choice between that and a bucket, I might take the sink. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about poop too long, but... Like, take your poop and, like, chuck it on Ashton, outside the walls. Oh! Not a bad idea. Maybe that's what the bucket's for. Carry it to the wall. Although, if 
Ashton are actually like mindless predators. They'd probably just eat it. That's definitely possible. Are we going to include that in the promotion for this episode? Our hosts talk about concept art, music, and poop. This is this is peak Lawfield. <laughs> Absolute peak. Uh, but m- moving on from that, uh, there is a desk with a computer on it and a really weird chair. Look at that that desk chair. That cannot be comfortable. No way. That's like a chair for your spine. <laughs> and <laughs> a chair for your spine and your spine only. I don't know if that orange part at the top is the headrest or the backrest. I think, like maybe neck, because if you, it's like on the same level as that chair, like the more like sofa kind of chair. It looks to be about the same height. So maybe like back of the shoulder, maybe head, depending on your height. Oh, which yeah. which I, I hope is a thing in a Bethesda game, because Elder Scrolls kind of has, like, height. And if they incorporated, like, you could just make someone who's, like, um, below four feet or something. Or, like, because I'm, I'm on the shorter end myself. Like, you know, a bit more, like, customization, more than, like, body type you had in Fallout 4, you know, with the sliders. Yeah. That's that's just going off topic, but like, in my opinion, that'd be a great feature. Although, it might require a bit of work for like, how far you can move in a certain amount of time. So like in Skyrim, uh, I think Ultima, what uh, moved the fastest. So like, there's different speed if you're a wood elf compared to an Ultima. How fast you can get around the map and stuff. As as far as I know, anyway. That's mm. off topic. So. I didn't know that. That that would be cool. We know they're reevaluating how you make your character and stuff. So I hope, and the new animation system should make that a lot easier. Different heights. If something just popped in my head, someone makes a seven foot two character and calls them the Skyrim giant. <laughs> and goes around Aquila like with a, a club or something. It's a space game. Send them to space. Skyrim space program in Starfield. The <laughs> uh, the next concept art we see, I think we'll just skip over this one. Well, we'll just briefly skim over it. It's just the the uh, protagonist from behind. It's the same protagonist we've already seen a bunch of times. So there's not really any new information, but it, it still looks cool. But uh, yeah. So do you want to do the uh, the next two? Uh, yep. So next we have a portable dining kit. So this looks like on our adventures we'll be taking with us to like prepare meals. Well, not prepare, you know, like eat meals and stuff. I think this could be pretty useful for like uh, setting up camps potentially. Um, which camps are a feature in Fallout 76, so maybe we can uh, in Starfield have like kind of our own portable little you know, camp type things. It's really pretty cool. And this looks very useful in my opinion. You know, when you're out and you don't have your conventional um, dining equipment. At least this this is what I think it's for. Um, what, do you, what do you think? 
Yeah. I think it's really cool the way they designed this. It has a couple cool things that like just pretty intuitive for obviously in universe for the United Colonies to equip their personnel with something like this, but also on Bethesda to think of these things. So they stack neatly like milk crates. You can just they kind of click into each other based on the illustration. And uh, they're really easy to store for that reason. Mm. And then also, once you open them up and you're looking at the food, the space in between the compartments for the food is magnetic, and you can put utensils on there, and then it doesn't float away in a zero-G environment. Oh, that's neat. So that's, yeah, isn't that cool? It seems like the food is dehydrated, like modern astronaut food. I've heard um, dehydrated ice cream is really bad. Isn't ice cream just water anyway? Yeah, so I don't know what would be left. I think it's like milk and cream, which has got to be in excess of like 80% water. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what a dehydrated steak would be like. That, that's Have you ever had one ordered well done? <laughs> Honestly, I've, I've never tried steak itself. I've had beef burgers. That's about as close as I've gotten to steak. I've cooked steak when I worked in a restaurant. You have a, it goes from blue to like Weldon. I, I think blue's like the rawest you can order, I believe. The off topic, but. Yeah, I think so. Um, these dining kits have like all the different food groups and like how, how you could do like delicacies like steak like in a city like neon if you go to like a high class club or something i'd imagine that we'll be seeing food that looks pretty familiar but then if you're traveling like in between planets then you'll be eating out of these dining kits and i'm really glad that we get these concept arts because three years ago in 2018 one of the comments todd said was that they have to think about uh things like uh what the fuel for the ships is and Ships are what the fuel for the ships is. I don't know. But uh, also, one of the things he mentioned was, uh, what do they eat? And now we're finally getting the answer to this question. Uh, we had the sandwich, but that was a little insufficient for such a big universe. And uh, just little things like, you know, the way they stack and the the magnetic tops and the different foods that we get. It just it adds so much more life to the universe. It's it's becoming more and more apparent what I mean by ambitious. This is very ambitious for them. I think it will add to immersion as well. Because essentially what Starfield is going to be, it's going to be setting up a series. Although they are treating this as a... Not worrying about future installments, they're focusing on this title first and foremost. But the the detail they're putting in is really going to go a long way in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that's probably a big reason why they included the little things like the food and the airlocks and stuff was to kind of tell their fans how much detail is going is is going into it. And it's Bethesda Game Studios, so everyone expected that. But I think what we've seen so far is even still exceeding the expectations of a lot of people. So these dining kits and the art after them 
they they both this is the second one is another dining kit do you want to quickly describe what we see here this is a fun one this one actually shows the contents of a food tray and it looks like it's got worms in it although not the bad kind of worms it looks like the ones you'd eat i don't know would you would you say they're dead kind of worms i hope so i guess i don't <laughs> i don't know this is a really oh boy this is a wonderful episode of the warfield podcast We're talking about poop and now eating worms this is gonna go in our history books <laughs> i mean on on the left side they're in the the packaged tray with a bunch of actual well like food that we would typically eat like fruits and vegetables and stuff mm. but then on the right they're packaged and i think in the when they're in the package like that they're probably dead i think um it's the way they're drawn that kind of makes them look like they might be alive but i think they'd they'd, they'd be dead if they're alive i'd be worried about them slithering into the other compartments and eating my spinach yeah they, they start eating your food for you because you're too pity you're too busy playing tetris on your uh, starfield watch thing <laughs> i mean if we're gonna be eating the worms anyway then it wouldn't make too much a difference if they ate the other food first because then we're still eating it i don't know <laughs> but the other thing we see is um packaged water and um i don't know dehydrated water i guess i think that's a joke in the outer worlds there's a clutter item that's called dehydrated water and it's just like an empty can that you sell and buy why well, why would you dehydrate water <laughs> when it it's just like be a... powder at that point that's i think it was nothing a can of air oh wait <laughs> i forgot they already sell that in real life through Lay's chips. Yeah. Or uh, <laughs> compressed air. Oh, yeah. Or even aerosol cans, kind of air, right? Yeah. If you look at the right above at the top of the water package, the worms seem to, you kind of open them like a candy wrapper, it seems like. Like they're sealed and then you just kind of tear it, maybe. The water package has like a some kind of cap where you can unscrew it maybe and then squeeze the water out in zero-g environments in zero gravity water will always form like a sphere so i think the idea is just to like squeeze out a little bubble of water and then either drink it or put it on something so that's pretty cool i guess without that the water would just kind of go everywhere I've the last. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It just popped in my head. The the two packets, not the one with the meat in. It reminds me of cat wet food. Those little like sachets. That that's what it reminds me of. And I've just that just popped in my head. Food you said. Um, cat wet food. So you've got like uh, cat biscuits, and then you've got like uh, wet food. Which is, it's in sachets, like um, like those. Oh, I'm looking up a picture because I've never had a cat. 
I see it now. I yeah, that is what they look like. Those little like packets. Hmm. Well, at least it's not worms you're feeding your cat. That's true. Yeah. Are <laughs> you giving them meaty chunks and sometimes in gravy? Hmm. Sometimes jelly for some reason. I don't think I would enjoy a cat diet. Like a a sachet day, like tiny portions. It's like a really fancy restaurant. Where they give you the tiny portions. I would also not enjoy the last thing in this concept art, which is vacuum sealed meat, and it is labeled multi meat. So is this a bunch of different animals ground together? Potentially. But what if you want one kind of meat? Like that's what the worms are for. <laughs> It's too early to say, but I imagine when we kill Ashta, we get uh, meat from them. Like in Fallout, you get like red roach meat or meat from uh, creatures. I'm going to give my character a diet of Ashta meat and some veg to balance it out. Some veg to balance it out. I like that. If if I'll stick to that, I don't know. But like putting my fictional character through a, an intense diet of just eating Ashta. And I will strike strike fear into the Ashta as I only eat them. Whenever you go to a different planet, you'll have to stock up. <laughs> yeah. Spend twenty hours like uh respawn farming. <laughs> I end it with like two hundred pounds of Ashta meat. Slowly I pull it in a back to the ship. I buy um I buy an extra hold for the ship and it's just cryo storage and I just store all the meat in there. Imagine the smell. <laughs> yeah. I uh I get a crew member and they're just like, oh what's that smell? Is all the ash to me I'm storing. <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> oh. I bet the ash would be pretty good though. They're probably like really lean. Well they're described as predators, so I'd imagine they'd be carnivore-based, like they'd be quite meaty. So, weird description of them, but you know how, like, predators. Actually, a uh, better question is, are the Ashta apex predators? Oh, no. An a the meaning of an apex predator is slipping my mind. Can you remind me? It's an apex predator is a predator that is top of their f food chain, I think. Oh, okay. So it's a predator who has nothing above them in their environment. Well, the walls of Aquila City, do you think the Ashto might like to kill people? So I'm thinking they're probably predators, humans. And unless there's some other creature we don't know about on that planet, they probably are. Just a massive giant space worm. <laughs> we did recommend Dune. <laughs> it is an inspiration for him, we think. I think um, the last detail that we haven't picked up on is that these food packages have the manufacturer's name on them as well. And it is made by a company called Nexum Local. That's N-E-X-U-M, Local. So I wonder if that's like a small family farm or something. 
Another side note, but I've just realised, on the side of the packets it actually says what they are. So the one on the left says worms, and the one on the right says water. Mm. Do you see the, um, and then right beside that, do you see the little, the yellow and red on the worms, and then it's yellow and blue on the water? Mm. Maybe they're nutrients of some sort? Like, what it contains. So, you know, like, uh, usually on packaged food, you check the back, and it will tell you what it contains. So maybe it shows, maybe it shows you, like, the main ones. Like, oh, this is a good source of protein or something. Oh, well, I think you're right. I enhanced it. And um, you can actually see... Below the worms, it has a calorie count. So the worms are 300 calories. And then the red box says spice. The yellow box can't really read. It's too small. But that's kind of in that realm of like, what's in it? Curiously, it also says that the water is 300 calories. Maybe it's um, filtered water of some sort. Like it's taken from a... A water source but then it's like cleaned if the water isn't clean could be and um yeah there could be like an additive in it too that has nutrients or something these food packages have qr codes too the, and i believe someone on reddit you said tried to enter those qr codes i believe so yes okay they got nothing Actually, that makes me wonder if they're going to set up some sort of ARG-like app and you can scan these pictures, potentially, and it will give you some more on an app. Oh, that'd be neat. Because they've said there's no tie-in game. I believe that's what was said, like, uh, before. I mean, maybe they could do some sort of ARG app. And you can, like, unlock law um, by scanning these codes. I mean, that, that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, it would. Overall, it's just great to get some insight into how they eat food, like we said earlier. I guess we'll go to the next one. Yep. The next art shows the interior of a space station of some kind, and we see an astronaut in an orange spacesuit, and... A little girl next to him, presumably his daughter, like kind of like playing with him a little bit, and they're being followed by a cat. And this seems to be like the living quarters of some sort. Not a, it's a really busy picture, but the amount of concrete info we can get out of it, I thought was a little limited. Uh, what did you think? Uh, a detail I noticed. There are some reflections, and at the back, you know, uh, through that circular door, there's uh, like a plant, and to me, it looks like it's glowing. So I've made the joke, it's known root, which of course, it's, pro it's probably not, and if it was, it, it'd be an Easter egg. Uh, that's, that's what my mind first jumped to. I, I, I like this one. Uh, this... Potentially could be like one of the like larger rooms, like building rooms. 
potentially like in a settlement mode but unless this is maybe this is a custom space station we can have like we can't we, we can have a base but we can also have like a satellite kind of station maybe that that would be really cool so you've got your own like iss that would be awesome it does look way too spacious to be part of any of the ships we've seen. So I like the um, space station idea. And even if we can't have space stations, maybe that could be DLC. Like a workshop mm -hmm. DLC. Yeah. I'd buy that. I'd buy two. I'm going to buy whatever they throw out, let's be honest. I hope they do seasons pass again, but... If they don't, that's understandable because of they had controversy with the last one. Yeah, it'll be a bit of an uphill battle. Sell outside the core fan base. Did you see the maintenance robot with a hat? Yes. Oh, I hope it has a name too. It looks like a maintenance kind of like droid thing. Because it's got a toolkit yeah. underneath what it's repairing, by the looks of it. Oh yeah. And it's got and like a yeah, it's got a pink, a pink uh, teddy bear backpack. Oh, it's, it's neat. <laughs> I'd be worried about if that's like a like a cloth material, like it prob like it probably is. I'd be worried about it catching fire because the maintenance robot is, you know, it's on fuel and it's hovering with the. But like shooting flames below itself. I don't know, the backpack just seems a little close to that. I, I think maybe... I, I don't know how it would work, but maybe if there's a fire, you can turn off the oxygen in the room and then the fire suffocates because fire needs oxygen. I think, yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. maybe you could manually turn off the oxygen until the fire's out and then turn it back on. Especially if it's an electrical fire, possibly. Because you wouldn't run up with a bucket of water just to chuck on electrics. I'd be concerned for the girl's safety. I guess you could put her in the airlock. Yeah, so may maybe if uh, you turn off oxygen in one room, it seals the room off so it can do it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's a door behind that circular door frame, and that would close. That makes sense. Yeah, this was a neat one. I guess there was more here than I realized initially. Do you want to go into the next one? Unfortunately, uh, this one's yep. not super uh, telling. Well, I said that about the last one too, but just go for it. And the next one is cool looking ship. Looks like it's leaving the planet. Um, to me, this looks like the ship's leaving the planet. I'm just now noticing that it has the same flame propulsion uh, look as the uh, the one we talked about earlier. It's more the blue blowtorch kind of flame. And there are lights on the surface of the planet in the top left corner. Yes, there is. That could be uh, sun rising, or maybe that's the light. And you can kind of see like the atmosphere. Like in the, see the clouds in the top left? They're like, I think those like 
little dotted lights. They're pretty small. Yeah, it looks like there's a lens flare going on. So I'm wondering if this could be in-game. That's been altered. I see the lens flare now. Where is it, a moon? Oh my goodness, that's no moon. This is a cool one. This this is a really cool ship. It might be one of my favorites so far. Just all the components on it, and once again, no easily visible weapons. But um, I really like... Almost looks like it has wings in the middle. Like it's kind of in this like spread out like with this arm spread as it's like soaring through the through space i don't know it just looks really cool to me yeah it's uh the front of the ship to me uh someone said it looked like a dragon i think it looks oh, like yeah. an eagle yeah both of those are very so like valid. this sleek design is it's like an eagle soaring through the sky yeah it's really cool Ready to move on to the next one? Uh, yep. Okay. The next one can be described in three words. It's Skyrim in space. It's <laughs> it's a snowy landscape with a rover on the ground and a really cool uh, sky scene. There's like a nebula in the sky and just really beautiful stars and galaxies that you can see. This looks like some kind of like frozen moon or something. And the rover is just kind of probing around and there are two people standing outside the rover looking down into what looks like a big chasm or something in the surface of the of the moon obviously the big dialogue around this particular one is that kind of hints towards drivable land vehicles in addition to pilotable ships so how'd you feel about you know rolling around all these all these planets in a rover I love the rovers in uh, No Man's Sky, so I I love I'd love, especially if it means I can explore for longer, and I can take some oxygen supplies with me, so I don't run out. I I think that could be amazing if you want to explore more of the planet for longer. Though whether or not this will be an early game kind of thing potentially, or if it would be later in the game, so. It's something you have to earn or unlock, technically. Like, as you progress, you get cool new gadgets type things, maybe. But I'd absolutely love to have a personal rover. It looks a little too big to be stored on the frontier. So I was wondering how that's going to work, because it would be a cool progression thing. Like, uh, maybe you buy them, or maybe you have to, like, um, maybe you can start with it, but it can't do much, and then there's, like, a skill tree or something, and you can unlock new, as you say, like, gadgets and, and abilities for it and stuff. But then, if that's the case, then how can we move this around? Because there's no way that would fit on the ship we saw in the trailer. Now, th- this is heavy speculation, but do you remember Automatron? And you yes. could you could physically just build a robot out of nothing if you had the parts. Not just customize your companion robots, but you could just build a new robot outright. I think maybe there could be a station where you build it on the planet and you can only use it on that planet. 
but you can build multiple on different planets, of course. And then you can upgrade it at that little station thing. But you have to build that station at your base, and then you can build rovers as you see fit. That could be a potential how they could work it. That would be amazing. The first thing I thought of was like, for this snow planet, you'll want really good tires so that you can actually get traction on the ground and drive around. So you'll spend a little more resources into the tires so that you can not like slip so easily. But then on like a regular kind of grassland planet, I don't know, you don't have to put as many resources into the tires because it's easier to drive around. Or maybe you'll put more resources on like a rocky planet into the suspension so that you don't bounce around and take damage as much stuff like that would be really cool and then just building your ship to suit the planet you're on a really cool idea like that yeah so um if you heavily armor your land vehicle it will be a lot slower but it can take a lot more damage but if you build it for speed which means less armor you're building it for speed so it can't take as many hits before it breaks down. And then that will be up to you as the player. How you want to go about it. Would you rather have a balance of armor in case you get attacked? Or would you rather have pure speed so you can go across planets faster? Which on an ice planet you probably would want to go a bit slow. Because ice, of course. There's a game on Game Pass called Trailmakers, and it explores this concept pretty well, where um, you explore the open world and find parts, and then you can use those parts to build, it's pretty much a rover, like a land vehicle that you can drive around to find more parts. And um, you can. it's really cool because you can put more speed into it, or I think you can make it fly eventually. And then you can access new areas to get even more advanced parts. It's a pretty fun exploration game. That, and that was just what I thought of when you were getting into that. That would be awesome. Do you want to uh, cover our last concept art of the month with uh, this one? Uh, yep. So this next one is some sort of like icy cave system. Maybe this is under the ice planet. Yeah. The way the characters in the last concept art are like peering down into a deep hole. And then the next one they show us is what looks to be, it's either ice or crystal. I'm not too sure. But if it is ice, then it could very well be like in the cave system that they're looking down into. I'm also very curious about the light source that we can see right next to the person's head. I don't know what that is, but it looks important. The uh, Skyrim vibes are a little stronger with this one than most of the others. Also, again to the left of the person, but lower than the light source on the ground, kind of near their hand. Is that writing on the ground? Maybe, maybe this isn't just a normal crystal cave. Maybe there's history. It's a little ominous. I think this one's probably more important than it initially seems. I'm pretty excited to learn more about this one. So there we have it. 
I guess. Uh, all new 16 concept arts that we got this month. It's a lot, but we learned a lot, and they were all really cool. There was just one thing I wanted to touch on. Earlier, we talked about the dialogue that was going on during this Into the Starfield video and how it was mostly about the philosophy and stuff. There was one quote that I really want to dive deep on. It was Todd talking about step out moments. So step out moments, most of the people listening probably know what those are, but just in case, it's probably good to give some context. Step out moments in Bethesda games are the moments where you first are introduced into the open world. You step out into the world. In Oblivion, it was when you step out of the sewers. Morrowind is when you walk off the ship in Sedanine. In Fallout 3, it was N4 in 76. It's when you walk out of the vault. And uh, in Skyrim, it's when you get out of the tutorial cave with Raloff or Hadvar. So Todd is talking about these step-out moments and his quote, he says, technology's changed, we've all changed. So our expectations when loading up a game, it's like, okay, I'm going to step out and there's going to be this moment. Us being able to do that and have it feel new every generation, every game, is something that is really special about what we do. And then he drops a bomb on us and he says, I like to say that Starfield has two step out moments. It's cryptic. What? I was like, I like fell out of my chair when he said this. What does this mean? What do you think? I have a feeling there's going to be the starting area and then the moment you get to explore space. So you first see the world. And then your next task is to, well, use your ship. And that could be potentially what he, what he means. Or there's something even more special. Say as you're leaving the planet or, you know. Do you think it's possible and even likely that he's referring to like, like the terrestrial step out moment and then the, the space moment where like maybe there will be some nicely framed like like a planet, a moon, and a star or something. It's just, you know, the music is like at a really high point and I don't know. That could be a really special moment. Because that's a huge part of Bethesda games. Like the first time you experience each game step out moment is something like I can remember each time I experienced each game step out moment for the first time. Um it's so special and it's almost worth the price of the game in itself, even without all the other content. It's just so, like, I you're looking out over this beautiful landscape, and you know, like, I can go anywhere, and I can do anything, and there's so much to discover here, and I'm going to lose so much of my life to this, but that's okay, because it's going to be amazing. So for that to happen twice is exciting, but I'm going to be pessimistic. That brings up a concern of mine. So with all the different environments we've seen, we've seen deserts, we've seen jungles, swamps, snowy, like rocky, pretty much you name it. We've seen it in Starfield concept arts. Could it be argued that the first time on any of these planets or moons will have its own little step out moment where we get off the ship and see a new planet or star? Now, now that sounds amazing. And it could be the case. But if it is, will the step out moments become diluted and less memorable and less special? Because it's like, okay, this is planet number 34. 
gonna just run to my quest marker and get back in the ship and go that's i don't know that's pretty much how no man's sky ends up yeah there's 18 quintillion but you've you've seen everything special you want to see so i'm wondering if the second step up moment is see that planet the nearest planet you can go to it you can land on it you can explore it and then that will be special in itself i can leave this planet and i can go to that planet because that's what you can do in no man's sky you look in the sky you see a planet you can go to it and that's special in itself that's just my take on it the no man's sky comparison is a very good one because that dilution definitely happens like you won't experience 18 quintillion moments with the same emotional impact that your first planet does when you first boot up that game or when you first walk into the world in a bethesda game so i have a lot of faith in them i think they'll still make this these two moments like special and memorable and stuff but i think it could also be compared to new locations or new like cities in Skyrim. So Skyrim, you, you could almost say, when you first open the gates to Markarth, Riften, Solitude, Whiterun, there's always that event that happens when you walk into the gates for the first time. Could that be considered a step-out moment of its own, where you're introduced to this, this little environment and the, the social dynamics that are going on there and uh, factions that are you know, warring against each other? You see what I'm, where I'm going with this? Like, who's to say that Skyrim cities don't have their own step out moments? The Skyrim doesn't have five or six instead of one. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But my concern probably isn't something to worry about too much. But I'm really excited to see what Todd's referring to, and um, I think this the step out moment for Starfield has the potential to be the best because. Instead of talking about a province or or a metropolitan area, we're now talking about a part of the whole galaxy. So before we go on to the recommendations for this month, do you have any closing thoughts about the concept arts or the step-up moments, anything? As always, I'm overwhelmed in a good way with the information. I really like these arts, these new ones. Especially the food, food ones, that was uh, interesting. Overwhelmed in a good way is such a good way to put it. Because that, that is like, I, that resonated so hard when you said that. It takes me a few days to process the information, because I can never believe it. Like, E3, like the day of E3 night, after that ends, I'm going to have trouble sleeping, because with the Fallout 4 and even the 76 reveal, Todd knows what to say to get you pumped. He is one of the best salesmen the world has ever seen. It's like uh, people have uh, compared Todd to the Voltec salesman in Fallout 4. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I agree. Uh, these arts were amazing. And um, it'll be 2022 when our next episode drops. That is a scary thought. Yes, it is. So, officially... We can say, technically, see you next year. Which usually you couldn't say without taking a hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> so before we say we'll see you next year, 
we will uh, give you our recommendations for this month. Any work that scratches the Starfield itch? I'll go first. Is that all right? Uh, yep. All right. Um, I'm going to change it up a little bit. This month, I'm going to recommend some music. Oh. Yeah. So there is a band that I heard about just a couple of years ago called Hum, H-U-M. And they're pretty like hard rock. So if that's not your thing, then maybe stay away from them just because you probably won't enjoy it too much. But uh, they have an album called You'd Prefer an Astronaut. And it's from the mid-90s, I believe. And as the name suggests, the, the album is very thematic around like space and the, the opening song is called Little Dipper and the single is called Stars. And um, there are other themes too, but it is a very kind of astrological or astro i guess astrological i don't know um it just has it sounds like space it's a space album and um if you like that sort of music then uh you'd you'd prefer an astronaut by hum is definitely an album worth checking out so that's my recommendation for this month for me i'm gonna recommend doom 2016 because I, I, I do remember people were on the fence about that game. At least the people I talked to were. But it really surprised because the multiplayer wasn't well, wasn't well liked. From what I remember. Because I, I played the beta. But the campaign, like, they got Doom 2016 running at 60 FPS on Xbox One. And that just blew my mind at the time. And... It, uh, that was something special, so I'm going to recommend Doom 2016. That's a good pick. Unfortunately, a game I only got to play the demo of. You should definitely try it. It's really, really fun. It's it's a good way to express rage. <laughs> so I've heard. Do you know if Doom 2016 is on Game Pass? It should be. It is a Bethesda game, so yes, it should be. And yeah. on your Xbox One, you'll be able to play at 60 frames, which is nice. Yeah, that is nice. I have a base Xbox One, so... Hmm. Yeah, I'll look into... Maybe that's Googleable. Can I do that right now? So Doom 2016 was on Game Pass back in 2018, but apparently got removed. So it is not on Game Pass, but it's probably pretty cheap being a five-year-old game for sure yeah can't imagine it'd be very expensive yeah and the single player is definitely the big draw from what i've heard it's 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 a game where that there, there is law there is quite a bit of deep law but it's not in your face like you have to collect the data and then a lot of speculation and so you can completely skip the story if you want to. Although there is a, there is sort of a story throughout, but you don't have to pay attention to it. You're just killing demons. It's the important thing. It's definitely a good pick. Um, it is sort of space-themed too, because I think part of it's on Mars, right? Yes. So there we have it then. 
You'd Prefer an Astronaut by Hum and Doom 2016 are recommendations for this month. This was the December 2021 episode of the Warfield Podcast, and we'll see you next month or next year for the January 2022 episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you then. See you next year.